for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Excited to be part of something this morning. Amen? I mean, there is, there is nothing that we can do that can top what just happened there, so we won't even try, amen? But that's, that's, that's what we're about. That's what we're about, because we, the more we pour into there, the, the more we kind of work ourselves out of, out of a job, and the more, you know, the generation and the next generation and the next generation and the next generation, should God tarry, will be prepared and ready, amen? All right, so how many people excited about the Word of God this morning? All right, we need two. We need two. If you're just joining us, we have been going through the book of Daniel since the beginning of the year where we did a 21-day Daniel fast together corporately. How many say that was hard? But we, but we did it, amen? And we better for it, right? I'm better for it. I don't know about you. you we better for it? I mean, I see, we've seen God move. We, we, we've hit levels of maturity. We've come to places that we weren't, right? At, 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 you know, this, this time last year, we're, we're different people. We've grown, we've matured. It's, it's an awesome thing. Anyway, so we've started with the book of Daniel. And man, that book has really helped us to understand some really key things that even though they were written such a long time ago, the principles apply to our lives today. Amen? No matter where you stand or where you're coming from, we've seen right from the beginning the strategy of the enemy exposed. See, Daniel was chosen by the enemies of God to be indoctrinated, to be trained up and brainwashed into the culture, traditions, and religions of those people, right? We saw right from the beginning, you know, that, that all those traditions and religions were directly against God. And so we saw in that time, as we see in our time, that the youth of the nation were the target of the enemy. How many of you agree? The youth of the nation are the target of the enemy in Daniel's time and in today. Can we say amen? But see, we're exposing the strategies. See, first he tried to rename them like he did to Daniel and the three boys that we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? But those weren't their names. Those weren't their names, but that's how we know them because it is just the strategy of the enemy to rename them. The enemy is still trying to change our names in order to change our identities, amen? In order to change who we are. And so let's just establish right from the start again. Who are we? We are a chosen people. 1 Peter 2.9 A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people belonging to God. Can you say that with me? A people belonging to God. We're a people belonging to God. So somebody, somebody needed to hear that today because you say, man, I don't belong to nobody. Nobody wants me. Nobody loves me. I've always been left. I've always been abandoned. I've always been, nobody's actually ever followed through. And fo Listen, you are a people belonging to God. Somebody needed to just get that acceptance today, amen? And so we're a people belonging to God who declare the praises of Him. That's what we did this morning. Declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness and into this wonderful light. And so going through Daniel, we've learned sometimes that even when we try to do good things, bad things happen. 
Ain't that right? Bad things happen. But, but I, I pray that we're mature enough now to understand that when bad things happen, whether we're thrown in a lion's den or whether we're, we're, we're thrown into a fiery furnace, we, we understand now that even there God will stand with us. We understand now that everything that the enemy meant or people meant or, or our parents meant, everything that was meant for our harm, when we love God and become a people belonging to God, God will use that to bless us. Amen? God will take everything. How many? Come on. If, if you really believe that, would you give God a shout? Everything, 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 everything that the enemy meant to harm and destroy you, God will turn and use for your favor. When we stand, God shines. Amen? If that's, that's something that really you know, hit me in, in Daniel. Every time the men of God stand, God shines and he was glorified. Amen? So we've also understood how God speaks to us through visions and dreams and how vital it is to know the Word of God so that when God speaks to us, we would understand His language. Amen? See, because if, if, if we're having visions and dreams and we don't understand the Word of God, we get caught up in all kinds of deparate theologies. You understand? We get caught up in all kinds of... But when we know the Word, that's where we are. And we know that we don't stray from the Word. We know that if there's any vision or dream that I'm going to get, it's, it's going to be in the Word. God's going to explain it to me in the Word. Amen? That's good. We need to hold on to that. So throughout this book also, we've been introduced to spiritual warfare. Man, we've come to an understanding that there is a battle going on. Last week I shared, being a Christian is a fight to the finish. It's not for wimps, wusses, it's for warriors. Amen? We have any warriors in the sanctuary this morning? Yeah. Yeah, and so now we've come to the end of the book and we've learned some serious prophetic words that were given in Daniel that apply to us today. And, and so we, you know, describe and we're going to help understand what's going on in this world. By, by finishing out this book, we learned that there would be a period of 70 years, 490 77s, 490 years. And in there, the, the, word of, the Word of God in the book of Daniel breaks it down that there were 490 years that the people of God had led to rebellion. And so then God says, well, there's going to be 490 years that will lead to total redemption. How many of you glad we've been redeemed? I mean, we've been redeemed, amen? And so 490 years led to rebellion. There was now going to be 490 prophetic years that lead to redemption. And those years were broken up into the books. And then we learned that seven sevens or 49 years, it took the temple to be built, to rebuild. It took 49 years for the temple to be rebuilt. And then we learned another section of it was 62 sevens. And that's 434 years. Don't worry, you won't be tested on this. It's okay. And in those 62 sevens, we learned that the, the anointed one, Jesus, had to come. And then we learned that he had to eventually ride into, into Jerusalem. And when he rode into Jerusalem, that, that event stopped the prophetic clock. And then two things had to happen after that. The anointed one had to be cut off, and Jesus was crucified. And the temple had to be destroyed. And both of those things happened exactly as were prophesied. Isn't that awesome? 
Isn't that awesome that we can read something and then watch how it happened years later? And we can read something and watch how it happened time later. And and God could give us a word and we could see how it happens. And God could encourage us and bless us and give us words and we could see how it happens. Is anybody excited about that? That God still speaks to us. That God will still speak prophetically into our lives. And, And like, why wouldn't we want that? Why wouldn't we want that? Right, Daniel? Yeah. All right, so both of those events happened that's prophesied. And then the word says, he, the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. And in the middle of that seven, he's going to put an end to sacrifice and offering. And so the last chapter, um, Daniel chapter 12, talks about the time that is coming. And I've asked Pastor Gary to come up and break that down for us. You can come up, Gary. See, it's crucial that we know what the word says and what it doesn't say. Listen to this. In researching this, I've come across so many dozens, dozens of websites, materials, and that use these passages to pinpoint the date and the time. And I mean, I came across this one, that one page that says they were claiming that all of this in chapter 12 was going to happen in 2007. And then 2007 came. And so they recalculated and said 2008. 2008 is when this is going to happen. 2008 came and they recalculated and then there was 2009, and now the same website, the same, which is a big group of, of people that, you know, are behind this thing. I'm not talking about some, some, you know, high school kid that just created a website. This is a big movement. And so now the time is 2013. And they said, because, you know, we recalculate the number. Listen, listen, family, God has not called us to decipher some Da Vinci code. Amen. He's called us to be the salt and light of this world, to take a stance, to shine with the love of God so that we would be ready. And that's all that matters. That's what the Word of God wants us, to be ready, amen, with the love of God so that the body of Christ would be ready, so that God's will is that none should perish, amen? And so the Word says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which in fact we better be doing. Amen? I love, I love that, that we were created, we created in Christ Jesus with God's workmanship, created to do good works. Somebody, somebody told you that you wasn't created to do nothing. Somebody told you that you were for nothing, that you would never make up to anything, that you would never do nothing. Right? But listen, you, you're here today to let you know, I want you to know that God, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So let's listen and, and, and find out what, what he says in 12 and how we're going to break that down. Go ahead, Pastor Gary. Amen. So I'm, I'm reading now in the last book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 1. It says, At that time, Michael the archangel, who stands God over your nation, will arise. By your nation, he's talking about the nation of Israel. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. So what it tells us is Michael, the archangel, in these last times, it says in that time, That time is talking about the end of days, that last three and a half years that this world exists the way that we know it, and it says it's going to be the worst time 
ever known to man. Worse than any time there's ever been in history. Worse than any war. But here's what it's telling us. What is the focus of it? The focus of it is Israel. If you want to understand what's going on in the world today prophetically, if you want to understand God's timetables and God's seasons, if you want to turn on the news and understand what's going on, it all's going to come back to Israel. God made a promise to Abraham in Genesis 22, verses 16 to 18. You've got to get this or you're not going to understand the end times. And this is what the Lord said to Abraham. I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Now God came to Abraham and said his descendants would be blessed, that they would be victorious, that they would multiply and grow, and, and that they would always exist on the earth. And who are his physical descendants but the Jewish people? And God told Abraham, that through, through the Jewish people that all the nations will be blessed. And hasn't that happened? As Jesus, who, who himself was Jewish, has blessed all nations, all Gentiles, that salvation has come to the ends of the earth. So it's always been God's promise, his plan, to bless Israel, to bless the Jewish people. So you know what the enemy has done, what the devil has done, has spent the last thousands of years trying to make God out a liar. Because if the enemy can wipe out Israel, if the enemy can wipe out the Jewish people, then God is not who he said he was. But how many of you know that through the years, through the centuries, one tyrant, one evil person, one nation after another has tried to annihilate the Jewish people, whether it was Hitler or Stalin or the Spanish Inquisition, year after year, the, the mass murders in Russia. The enemy has tried to wipe out the Jewish people in order to say that God is a liar and his promises are not true. You see, if Israel can be destroyed, if the Jewish people can be wiped out, then not only is God a liar about them, but he can't be trusted. If he can't keep the Jewish people, how is he going to keep you? But how many of you know God is not a liar? That in all these centuries, the Jewish people are the only ones who have ever lost their homeland and still exist today. Let me prove it. How many of you have met some Babylonians in the last few years? Or how about Assyrians? Or, or the Medes and the Persians? Anyone ever meet them? Why? Because they, their civilizations were destroyed and they no longer exist. But God made a promise to Abraham and he's a promise-keeping God. 
And because of that, thousands of years later, Israel is still the center of the news today. If you want to know what God is doing in these end times, keep your eyes on Israel. Because he says in the last days, there's going to be a great attempt to wipe it out. But in that time, the word we just read said Michael, the archangel. Now, what's an archangel? That's an angel of great authority, great power, great stature. He's been assigned to protect the Jews. And the season is coming where the Antichrist, where all the nations of the world are going to gather together in the valley of Jehoshaphat. And there's going to be a great battle. Can you just picture all the armies of the world coming together to fight Israel? See, because they just can't wipe it out. In 1967, there was a war where Israel was outnumbered 300 to 1, and they won. Why? Because God is with them. Aren't you glad God is with you in the same way? The same God who, who, who protects it, has protected Israel. He's protecting you. There's victory in your life because he's a promise-keeping God. But they were outnumbered 300 to 1. It doesn't matter. All it takes is one person when God is in it. So finally, all the nations of the earth are going to gather together, try to wipe them out. And that's when Jesus, in the last battle, it's called the great and terrible day of the Lord. Jesus is going to come down from heaven, and guess who he's going to bring with him? He's going to bring you. There, who's in the army of God here? Who wants to come down? Who's going to be one of those who are going to come down with Jesus and destroy the enemy? And all the enemy is going to finally be destroyed. And I'm going to get more to that later. And, and, and what did, what did um, the prophetic word say to Daniel? He said, in that time, all Israel will be saved. All those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, there's going to be a great revival among the Jewish people in the end. And even Paul said in Romans chapter 11, at that time they're going to recognize that Jesus was the Messiah. I'm, I'm a Jewish believer in Jesus Christ myself. There's not too many Jews. It's hard. There's persecution. But the Bible says that in the end time all Jewish people will be saved. And how does that relate to us? Well, if God could keep his promises to that little group of people and preserve them and keep them, you might think you're a nobody, that you're overwhelmed, you're outmatched, outnumbered, but nothing can take you down. Because he who watches over Israel never slumbers nor sleeps. Amen. I'm going to go to verse 2 now. Now, now we're going to change the topic. So verse 2, Daniel 12, verse 2. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. 
Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Verse 2 is telling us that one day there's going to be a resurrection. What does the resurrection mean? But let me give you a little background. What does the Bible teach about death? If you're a Christian and you die, your body stays here on earth, gets buried in the ground, but your spirit goes up to heaven to be, to be with Jesus. The Bible says to be absent from your body, which means when, when you die, you're absent from your body. Your spirit leaves your body and goes up to heaven to be with Jesus. But see, that was never God's final plan is for you to be a spirit floating around heaven somewhere. Like on the cartoon, you know, when someone dies and they're sitting in the cloud with a harp and a halo over their head. Uh, that's never been God's plan. God created you with a body. And one day, the Bible says, we don't know when it's going to be. It's going to come like a thief in the night. But one day, you're going to hear the sound of the trumpet. And Jesus is going to come down from heaven. And he's going to meet us in the clouds. And it says the dead in Christ will rise first. In other words, it doesn't matter as long as you've lived your life with Jesus in your heart. When you die, it's not over for you because you're going to be resurrected right out of the ground with a new body. And then it says those who are here, those who are still alive, are going to be caught up to meet Jesus in the clouds. And we're going to live with him forever and ever. But it's a re there's a resurrection day coming. See, those who are Christians, you got to make sure you got Jesus in your heart. I don't want that day to come. And, and I don't have Jesus in my heart because th those who die in the Lord are going to be resurrected and live forever and forever and forever. And where's Merck? I, I need Merck up here because he's a Bible scholar, and I asked him to come and, and give a scholarly di dissertation. Are, are you ready to do that? Just before, just before he starts, are you ready? You got to get out your notebooks and your pads and all that because he's going to give a real a scholarly commentary on, on, on what we're just saying. But the Bible says what's going to happen after you die is dependent on the life you're living right now. Do you know that there's no purgatory? There's no place where you go when you die and suffer more so that one day you can go to heaven? Did you know there's no reincarnation? You're not going to be coming back again as a cow or a pig in order to complete finish what you didn't do when you were in your life. 
because it tells us in the book of Hebrews there's once to die and then the judgment. So where you spend eternity, it all depends on how you're living right now, what you believe in right now. The Bible says, don't store up your treasures here on earth. You know why? One day somebody could come and rob it all. It can all disappear. How many of you lost thousands of dollars in your retirement just in the last few months? We can't put, we can't put our hope on what we can touch and what we can feel. We got to live for eternity. So, um, Merck, if you could break it down for us. You got so everybody get your, um, make sure you got your notebook ready and all that, because he's going to get into some deep terms and all that. Go ahead. Ready. The Word of God declares that he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge in his Word for us to live right, live right. The devil's been sinning from the beginning He's grinning, he offers me linen And women who's winning this battle we've been in But live right, live right God is not existing, he's existence For instance, he's not living his life No distance and persistence Is the key to how to follow I'm a lender, not borrow Who's guaranteed to see tomorrow? Your assignment's not to everybody but to somebody, someone you invited to church who said, remind me, keep your focus and your eyes right with right sight, cause what you see is what you desire require light, just keep your whole life up in order some pain is proof of disorder let it all be washed by life's water Jesus doesn't imitate God he's the express image of God and he's healing with scarred one day a favor neighbor is worth a lifetime of labor in prayer never waver see to trust the savior for the ways of all men are directly before the eyes of the Lord live correctly I'd rather die than deny or lie or and or not. Why cry? Why get high when God's El Shaddai? If you don't like your life, you know that you could be born again But the Spirit can't help if we intend to live in sin So keep recognizing, rising above these clouds of temptation and evangelizing Check your horizon like an equator Go around this world invader Globe, righteous road Paid the price, reign with Christ creator In the cities and slums, who scramble for crumbs So preach the good news, till he comes We need some hope, pal The anointing destroys the yoke now No nope now, from a thug to G to lope now Yo, it's perilous, these times are filled with terrorists They say never this, to live celibus Settle this with meekness, and his presence just seek this Cause through prayer, is where you're killing your weakness Undisciplined lives are vulnerable to attack Demonic attack Stay on track, stay in order and act In humility and grace's ability When I'm weak, then I'm strong See people, you're feeling me People listen to me Heat instructions, be wise Don't neglect, cause the body of Christ Will soon rise like a motorist Controller this, motorist, go to this Woo! Glory, glory, glory Jesus, glory. I take control of this just like a motorist. He's unfolding this 
holiness to sin only this he's not beholding us he molding us to be a partaker of your divine nature go for a behind faker just be refined take the lord's holy covering the spirit's hovering and just learn obedience in the school of suffering because the spirit tries to go one way the flesh the other so you feel you suffer when you deny the other but be real don't put your hand to a plow and look back your bondage you took back and just derailed your track but there's a fountain flowing for the soul that's unclean for the teen for the mean and for the violent and mean glory to god glory to god and i want to say to this now i want to declare to this congregation now that god just like a screwdriver is fastening the screws in this congregation so i want to declare to your bondages i want to speak to the things that are holding you back and we break those things we break those things that would hinder you we break the witchcraft that pulls you the control that holds you we break those things in the name of jesus for god said he is the i am let's give him praise Amen. Wow, that was hardcore, right, Larry? I, I want to read that scripture that I referred to, Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. You thought I was going to start rapping that with the beat. They didn't want to turn off the beats. but Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I just got to ask you a question. The things that you're living for, the things that burn in your heart, the motivation of your life, was it worth Jesus dying for? Was it worth him going to the cross? Was it worth God coming down and leaving the paradise of heaven to live among sinful men and be tormented and tortured and killed out of love for his heart? Was it worth it to you? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. The Bible says, set your affections on things above. And I believe that God wants to bless every one of you here on earth. See, eternal life does not start when you die. Eternal life starts the minute that you invite Jesus into your heart. And even, I'm not giving you one of these gospels where nothing good's going to happen and one day you're going to die and, and then you'll receive all your reward. That's not what I'm saying. As soon as you got Jesus, you live in an overflow. You live in an abundant life. Your soul will prosper. Your finances can prosper. There can be joy everlasting starting now. Don't wait till, you, till you're gone and get to heaven. You can begin to access everything that God has for you now. But at the same time, when it's all said and done, those things here on earth, they count for nothing. I, I want to tell you a story. 
about my own mother and father. They, they divorced when I was five years old. And they went separate ways. My mother, she became an alcoholic. She, she spent the years working in a bar, lived in an abusive man, marriage where she lost all her teeth. She was considered a sinner by the whole neighborhood because of the way that she dressed or, or half-dressed. And the neighbors would say, tell their kids, oh, stay away from those kids. Look at that mother, the way she dresses, the way she drinks. She couldn't even go anywhere. She'd take a mayonnaise jar and fill it with liquor. She couldn't even leave the house without it. And she, oh, through the years, she lived in disgrace and shame. And then she developed cancer. But people from the church, they came and visited her, and they prayed with her, and she received Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And even as she was dying, and she had nothing left, she lost everything, all no pride, no dignity. Everything she had was gone, but she laid on the bed, and anyone who would come in, she would preach to them and say, did you know that there's a Savior, that, that he lives in me? And she became a preacher laying there right in her bed, a, wo a woman that nobody wanted anything to do with. She was the disgrace of my family. She wasn't invited to any, any occasions because she would fall down drunk. And there she was laying on her deathbed, a woman of purity with a pure heart, a holy woman filled with Jesus Christ. And right now, and she died a few, a few weeks later, and she went into glory. Right now, she's in the presence of God. She's spending all eternity with Jesus. And great is her reward. But let me tell you about my father. My father was just a total opposite. He, he, he became an important man in the community. He, ha he had a lot of money. He worked hard. Why did he work hard? He said, I want to live the American dream. Because he grew up in, in the Depression, and he decided, I'm going to live the great American dream. I'm going to collect as much money as I can. And he bought this house on Long Island right over the water. It was such a beautiful house that they, when George Clooney was making a movie, they actually came to try to, to try to see if they could use that house as the scenery for the movie. It was such a beautiful place. And he always lived in such pride. Look, look at what I have. Look at what I've built. And then about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, he also developed cancer. And I kept asking him, does he want to receive Jesus? And he kept saying, no. And, and I just watched. I was there when both my mother and father died. And I watched my father die. And I saw him grasping for his last breath, trying to hold on. Why? Because that's all he knew. That's all he had. All his treasures were here on earth. And once he was gone, that was it. He lost everything. But there I was 
a few years before, I was there with my mother, and I watched her die in peace. There was such peace in the room. You could, you could feel the presence of God. And she had no earthly kingdom. She had no earthly treasures. She didn't live in a mansion like my father. She, didn't, she wasn't able to go away all over the world. My father lived out that life, that dream life. He worked all those hours, and he was all lost in one second because his heart was all here. I don't want that to happen to any one of you. See, there, it told us in Daniel 2 that, there's, that there, when the resurrections come, every one of us is going to have to give an account. Every one of us is going to have to stand before God and give an account for what did we do with our lives? What did we do with our talents? What, what did you live for? It, it can't just be for the things of this world. In 1 Corinthians 15, 19, the Apostle Paul said, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. If the only reason we're Christians is just to come to church Sunday, we, we need to pity ourselves. There's a, an eternity for us. Do you know that in 20 billion years, if you're a child of God, that you'll still be alive? That you're going to have a new body. And let me tell you about this new body. It talks about in 1 Corinthians 15. It's, it's not like the old one. You're not going to have any pain. It's going to be a body that never wears out. No sickness. No more death. A body just like Jesus. We're going to be just like him. In Daniel 2 it says that those who, who live in the Lord, who have lived their lives in righteousness and in, in the Lord, will have everlasting blessing. But it says those, those who didn't live for, for God, those, those who didn't have the Lord in their hearts, will live in eternal separation from God. We don't talk about that very much, but hell is a real place. And it, compared to even the worst place on earth, it's nothing compared to living eternity without God. I'm not saying this to try to scare anyone. I'm just saying exactly what the Word says. How many of you want to hear the true Word of God without watering it down? Sometimes I go to churches, they don't, they don't want the real word. They grab the, I was actually been in churches where they grabbed the microwave. We, we, don't, we don't want all that. See, in this church, you're going to hear what the word has to say. But the word is good news. And some people ask me, well, why, why would Jesus let anyone go to hell? If he's a good God, how, how could he let people go to hell? But let me tell you something. He did everything that he could. He came down. He left, he left heaven when he could have stayed there to become born, as, as born among sinful men. And he lived a, a life of torment and a life of ridicule, 
a, a life where, where people tried to bring shame to him. He was rejected. He was despised. And he did it because the Bible says that he does, he's not willing for even one to go to hell. He did all that he could. He's a good God. I'm going to ask for the worship team to come. I want to read for you. From Revelation chapter 21. This is the end of the story. This is the end of the book. This is what you can have. But you know what it takes? It means... Living with Jesus till the end. It means I'm, you're going to be faithful to the end. The, the most horrible thing for me, the worst experience I can have, is to meet someone in the street who, tell, who I used to know years ago. They used to serve God. They used to worship. They used to, they used to love God. And, and now they've walked away. The, but the Bible says, to him who overcomes, to him who makes it to the end, there's great blessing. Let me tell you what's in store. And I, I'm going to ask Kayla to come up also. Oh, she's already up. But I'm going to read this, and then Kayla's going to um, have something she wants to say. So this is Revelation 21. Starting in verse 1, you got to get this in your spirit. There's great reward for you. Every time you make a choice to obey Jesus, he's storing up treasures in heaven for you. And nobody could get, the stock market can't affect it. Revelation 21, starting in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit these blessed blessings. I will be their God and they will be my children. How many of you are determined you're going to be victorious to the end? You're going to be faithful to the end. You're willing to pay the price and count the cost. Pressing towards the goal, running this race till I'm walking on streets of gold. Though the storms may come and threaten my hope, I would trust in your promises alone. Though my past may try to lure me back, I trust that God will keep my feet on a steady track. I will not give up until I win this race. 
see you face to face in that glorious place. So through the pain, tears, failures, and fears, I will keep my gaze upon your coming, Lord. And so I pray, God, hasten your return. Oh, how I yearn to meet you on that day. Lord, how will I feel? What would I say? As for now, the only thing I do know is that I would not let go. So we grab hands at that finish line. Lord, this is my love letter to you. Sincere and true, I love you. Uh, if you're here today and you're saying, it's the very desire of my heart to be faithful. I'm going all the way. I want you to stand before God right now. You're saying, I'm going the full distance. You're not going to be one of those that I'm going to meet on the street and, and tell me, oh, I, I don't go to church anymore. I don't serve God anymore. I'm believing God, not one of you. Not one of you. That every one day I'm going to be in heaven. And every one of you are going to be there with me. Not one is going to be lost. But it's all about being faithful in God. Because He is the faithful one. He will keep you. Nobody can snatch you out of His hand if you just stay steady. So let's worship team is going to sing this song over you right now. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org God bless